Do your feet sweat in work boots? If you struggle with sweaty feet, you need the best-selling Camel City Mill Lightweight Work Sock. You'll have dry, comfortable feet as their sweat-wicking merino wool is 35% better at wicking moisture compared to polyester socks. Plus, a 10-year durability guarantee thanks to their proprietary Ironside Merino Wool and Nylon Fortified Heel and Toe. Your feet won't hurt and recover faster because of the compression in the arch and calf, which helps circulation through a full 14-hour shift. Expect all-day comfort, even with steel-toe boots due to the extra cushion in the toe. These socks are completely USA-made in North Carolina. Order ship within 24 hours, and anything over $50 ships for free. To get your socks today and see how insanely durable these socks actually are, go to CamelCityMill.com and use the code DIESEL15 and get 15% off your first order. Remember, use the code DIESEL15 for 15% off your entire order at CamelCityMill.com. Welcome back to Sweat and Grind. You got Matt, Brian, and Rick here. And it's going it's to sound a little weird because we are not in the studio. And for the first time, we feel weird podcasting because we don't have microphones in front of us. But that is because... And earphones, yeah. For those of you in the audience who have been following, you may remember we started up a, a relationship with FAE. And we had Giorgio and Leon along with Edwin McCain. We are now in Flowery Branch, Georgia. Their headquarters. FAE's headquarters. And we are here with Georgie and Lee again. Yeah, at a very oblong, not quite round table. So welcome back to the show, guys. Yeah, Appreciate welcome, it. Guys. Thank you for having, thank you, having you. us. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to Georgia. Yes, thank you. Yes, it thank is you. It's a little balmier here than it is back home. Yeah, so. we, we, we rolled down with hoodies and you guys are in shorts. So <laughs> yes. yeah. a little bit of a weather change. Absolutely. That's the beauty of the South. Yeah. 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 How have you guys been? What have you been doing? Yeah. Good, good. Uh, we've been very busy since last time we've seen each other. I mean, we've been super busy, you know, uh, with developing new products and everything. And today here at the Open House, you're going to see what we've been working on for the last few, few months. And it's pretty exciting. And don't know if we want to unveil anything in this conversation, but uh, it's up to you. That's up to uh, you guys. This is going to air in so. about two weeks, three weeks. Not yeah. to mention it's on the invitation, so it's not a secret. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Please ready to spill the beans. <laughs> what, what did you guys bring us down here for to reveal? Okay, so first, new? first of all, we got you guys down here just because you're fun. Oh, well, thank one. you. Thank you. Number one. Appreciate it. Can you please Appreciate tell my it. wife that? <laughs> yes. And yeah, we got some the, hospitality back home to deal with. This right here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what we're going to unveil today is a uh, remote control unit. Actually, comes in two different sizes: 55 horsepower and 75 horsepower. We are going um, to unveil a redesigned uh, DML SSL. Um, VT or Sonic version as well, okay. which is a, a mulching head for a standard flow ski steers. And we are going to unveil a stump grinder for the PT-175 track mulchers. Oh, right. Right. Awesome. And then we're going to run some other machines, you know, in the in the demo area back there. So right. it will be a fun day. Excellent. So we want to make everybody's, you know, enjoying the day here today. You've seen the equipment running and yeah. playing around with the equipment and all that kind of good stuff. Well, we're looking forward to it. So, yeah. so I do have a. I'm going to ask the dumb question. 
Uh-oh. Why Why does someone need a remote control Moultrie unit as opposed to just a skid steer? Other than the cool Other than the cool aspect. We're trying to get the young crowd, you know. Get yeah, them absolutely. Into when they're used yeah. to video games. Nah, so the big thing about the remote control is the, the slopes and the areas it can go into. So this thing is designed to do 55 degree slopes any direction wow. with no restriction. And wow. The hill we're going to run on today looks steep, but it actually only pegged out at a 20, 27 degree oh, slope. So you could do right. double the slope that <laughs> we get to see. So wow. how did this 55 degree slope come about? Because in Michigan, we're flat. We just have swamp. Well, because everywhere else is not flat and has swamp. So, yeah. We're going back to Christopher Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. So for those areas that are not flat, and, and it, it, there are other advantages, like even around ponds where there's safety restrictions, around anywhere where people really shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you'll see today, you guys are from the compact track loader world. You could imagine having a compact track loader where we're going to be today. And yeah. You wouldn't, basically. Yeah. yeah. And then you, t- you double that. You know, so there's a real good benefit to it. The 55 degree limitation is just because that's as much as we can hold. I mean, I actually tested it out up to 61, so it will hold more, but eventually you start to lose the grip. Yeah. yeah. But it's really a safety issue. And but on the production side of it, we I did test also the DML SSL Georgia was talking about. So mm-hmm. we redesigned our original DML and then we came out with new models with a bite limiter dedicated and a sonic. So now we have that uh, standard flow unit that's almost as productive now as our regular high flow unit but i tested that on a 75 horsepower skid steer and then i tested the rcu 55 right after that and i would almost dare to say that the 55 horsepower rcu is as powerful because it has a dedicated mulching circuit so so what's making the standard flow head almost as productive or more than a high flow head well high flow when you look at the conversation that we all know everybody wants high flow because it's the best of the best and then you got to buy the special attachment so it's the material first, right? If you're in big material, it's a no, no question. You got to yep. go with the high flow. Yeah. But when you take a, a standard flow unit and you're spinning the drum substantially faster, and now you've added bite limiter technology and you've added sonic technology, you guys know the sonic technology from your own experience. Oh, yeah. So well, for the audience, down, can, yeah, yeah, for the yeah. audience, break, break down, down what is the sonic technology and no. how does that work? What's it do for you? And then so, what's the bite limiter? Good, gotcha, gotcha. So the bite limiter, first of all, is basically a planer. Um, where you can take an open drum machine and you can um, basically eat as much as the machine will take. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so if you're, if you're an experienced operator, you can control that through through your skill. You know, right. um, the bite limiter is more of a planer, so you really it's a lot harder to force feed it because we have limiters right in front of the blades, kind of like ribs almost. Like ribs, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you're taking about you know half inch at a time, but you're constantly taking it. So yeah. it's just a constant grind. So right? instead of bogging the machine, it may take you a hair longer to get through the tree. Right. But the the machine's going to maintain production. Yeah. Right. And okay. then when you take the Sonic on top of that, where we used to use the standard VT motor and still offer that. Um, the VT motor is basically like an on-off switch, automatic four-wheel drive. You're at high speed, medium power, and all of a sudden something flips in the motor, and you're at low speed, high power. Yeah. Well, the Sonic technology takes your rotor speed and the pressure of the unit and is always calculating that in a, in, in a computer program, and it's constantly moving the swash plate of the motor so it's not just an on-off. It's basically acting as a rheostat where it's putting exactly what it wants to that rotor yeah so it maintains the highest pressure and the highest speed at the same time and and i will say this is not fluffing you guys at all yeah no you guys have easily doubled our production over 
our old head. Yeah. Just just updating the head. Yes, just updating right. the head and moving to that sonic technology. And and that was the first thing that, that Rick and I have got. In five minutes. Yeah, really? within five minutes, In we five both minutes went, holy crap, back this thing out. is productive. You see this thing? Yeah. Right. So yeah. my question is, so talking back to the audience, you got the bite limiters that run on these heads, standard flow, high flow, whatever. What kind of knives do you run on these heads with the bite limiters? So we have, uh, it's, 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 we, we make it specifically for our application. We've, yeah. uh, we've tried a few different heat treat levels and things like that, but we finally found a blade that gives you uh, the durability without being heat treated to the point that it breaks a lot. Yeah, right. real easy. So it's basically a resharpenable blade. So if you come to the top of the blade, I'm doing this like there's a camera. And there's yeah. a, so you come to the top of the blade, and there's actually another angle on top, and that's your that's your flat angle that you actually sharpen. So all you have to do, depending on the material you're in, is run a run a, either a flappy wheel or a disc across that maybe Grind every it, hour, right. just right. a quick just to bring that sharpness back. And uh, so it's it's you know we're we're getting some decent hours out of them, but we also like I said before. We focused on having that blade that was durable enough so it lasted, but we didn't do it to the point where it was so hard that it would, if you hit something, it broke. So, so obviously, we're talking to the world. We're not just talking to America when we podcast. And what applications would you use the bite limiters with the knives? That's right. a great question. So we find that in the United States is what we're going to base this off of. We basically have the whole world in the United States. We yeah. have... We have cold, we have hot, we have flat, we have hilly, we have rocks, Rock, we have yeah. sand. Um, the southeast tends to be, from Virginia all the way around to Texas, tends to be our main bite limiter market because of the type of trees we have and the type of ground we have. Yeah, we have rock, but it's usually something you can't avoid if you try to. So yeah. obviously with any type of blade, just like a knife, you really don't want to be messing around with um, rocks or even a lot of sand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because sand is, is the enemy it's super as well. Abrasive. Sand, super yeah. abrasive. So we really focus on those areas. Well, that's where the, the machine ends up working the best because we have softer trees. Even our hardwoods here are not hard compared to other areas I travel. Like I was just in Northern California last week on some of the fires with one of our dealers, Global, and they were in some hardwoods with our 475. Wow. And that thing sounded like somebody just had 20 sledgehammers oh, yeah. hitting against that tree. Really? Yeah. Yes. And it wow. was solid red, just some real hard wood. Yeah. So, but they also have a lot of rock. So, um, so it's, it's, it's the give and take. It's, yep. it's really the material you have, and it is the ground you have is what really determines it. So our main market for sure is the southeast. All right. Interesting. And where would you run your guys' carbides at? So I would run the carbides anywhere where you are going to be dealing with a lot of rock or any rock, um, a lot of sand, or if you're going to be doing a lot of uh, brush clearing ground level. You know what I mean? So yeah, you're underground at all times. Yeah, so absolutely. The benefit of the, the, the bite limiter is not just on this, this compact track loader heads. It's, it's really beneficial on the excavator heads because you're basically letting the weight of that head come just down that tree yeah. and it's constantly going. But if you were to take that same excavator, now you're brush clearing, you wouldn't really see the as much benefit out of those those, those knives because a you're going to be hitting the ground mm -hmm. and b you're in smaller material so you really don't have the benefit of the limiter. Yeah. So it's it's uh I would say and Giorgio can 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 add on to this the country as a whole is probably seventy percent carbide 
but the southeast is probably 90 percent blades interesting yeah. and a, a good benefit that we have on our bite limiter is that you can replace the blade with the carbide if you want to or you can put a rock so, uh, you just, so let's say yeah. you answered the question i was about yeah. to ask so you can use carbides with a bite limiter yes. you, you can the tooth holder basically um it takes multiple type of teeth and let's right. say you have a customer working in in the south for you know x number of days or weeks and then now he has a job per se in tennessee or somewhere rocky yeah he can use the same bite limiter head take the knives off and put the carbide or even the rock teeth. Yeah. So it's very versatile, right. basically. It gives you that advantage. Now, oh. you, you said you have an open head and then you got the bite limiter. Why is there two different styles? Well, it goes back to, again, it's the it's the, the operating style. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I hate the phrase, but you hear it a lot, that a bite limiter is training wheels for a mulcher because it insinuates the guy doesn't have skill. Doesn't know what sure. he's doing. Right. But I will say this, if you put a guy in a bite limiter head, this never ran a machine, and you put a guy in an open siege style drum, um, the guy with the bite limiter is going to stall less out of the gate. Yeah. Now, the benefit of the carbide, the open <laughs> drum, is that if you know what you're doing, you can, you can process aggressive. a lot more material. Yep. Yeah. Because the limiter is that. It is a limiter. Yeah. So not only is it limiting your bite, but it's limiting, limiting how much material you can get in that chamber at a time. You know, we have a pretty good dealer up in north of us that was an operator for many years. And he, he prefers the open drum because he knows how much he can eat. Now, yeah. if a guy goes out there, no matter what carrier, two, you know, 4,000 PSI or 3,500 PSI, if he goes out there the first time, chances are he's going to stall the head so oh, yeah. yeah. But once he gets the hang of it, especially ground clearing, brush, you know, eight inch, six inch down, um, you can process a lot more material with the right. open drum. And it's more, it's, it's more durable because it is a carbide. Which you still can, like Georgia said, you can also run blades on the carbide. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's also it's more durable and it's less maintenance because the blades do have to be sharpened. It depends on the location, how often. But the problem with that is, if guys don't sharpen them, it's just like a knife. Yeah. You can take a knife to the point that you might as well toss it because yep. it can't be brought back. Yeah. So that's the same yeah. as the blade. That angle. Once that angle nubs off all the way, you're done. You're, done. you're yeah. swapping the yeah. you're swapping the blade. So uh, my next question is. With your bite limiters, do you see a big variation in the the quality of the product that comes out the other side of the mulcher, or is it pretty on par with an open head? Absolutely. With the uh, with the bite limiter, when you're using the blades, mm -hmm. uh, the final product is a lot finer. Yeah, it's almost pulverized. It's almost yeah. a chip. It's almost, almost chippers. Yeah. yeah. And um, and um, also on the bite limiter, we don't put the door also for that reason, right? So first of all, we want to uh, uh, keep the drum more open to allow the material to come to out faster. Sure. Yep. And as well, you have a smaller final product and being the product smaller, it doesn't fly off or f that far right. uh, like the open drum does. Gotcha. And we have a deflector. So we had a, a deflector anyway. You give it an angle and he, 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 the material shoots pretty close to the head. Yeah. So They're pretty safe also on like on the side of the roads or residential areas and whatnot. Yeah. So That's obviously nice. the forest emulsion just like took off like wildfire the past few years. Obviously it's been around for a while, but people are really grasping the concept. A lot, a lot of the consumers and clients that use these things anymore are under under the impression that you have to clean up the debris when you're done. Why why is that statement so wrong in so many ways in so many people's eyes? Why why would someone not want to clean up the product that they're leaving behind anymore? The chips. Yes. Okay. 
Well, I mean, well, first off, I, I like to say a little bit more before I answer the question. One is, you know, people look at land management as negative anyway. Yeah. Know? But yeah. everybody lives in a house. Guess what? There was a tree there at one time. Or Correct. Something. But we learned by the fires in California. We've learned by a lot of other areas where taking it out invasive species, taking out a lot of the fuel. The underbrush. The underbrush yeah. is actually, you know, better for the wildlife. It's better for the environment. It's better, you know, for all those avenues, which add, goes to your question, you know, if that tree dies and falls in the forest, that tree is going to help that ground. Yeah. So if you if you're circle mulching and you're handling that <laughs> circle of life, man, we're going full Lion King. I feel like this should go into Lion King, right? Um, but if you take that material and you're putting it back in a, in a in a you know in a, in a, a, a the correct way, I mean, a guy could take a for example a horse on a grinder or a chipper and just create a pile of mulch that's not ever right, right, right. right. But guys that do the land clearing and land management for a living, they usually want to leave a very even, clean path after they're done. Yeah. And that material just goes back in the ground and just basically recreates itself. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 it's, it's really compost, beneficial. Right? It's compost. It's compost. Matter of fact, we have a guy. We have another machine. It's not hydraulic driven. Um, we have a version that's hydraulic driven, but we also have machines that goes and it puts that material even deeper in the ground. Right. <laughs> What's that called? The subsoiler. Subsoiler forestry tiller. Uh, it'll do the stumps. So after the guy comes in with his mulcher, takes it down to the ground level, um, we'll bring a stabilizer through there and just grind, you know, up to 27 inch stumps or 24 inch stumps, and it'll go uh, 20 <laughs> inches deep, and it'll uh, put all that material evenly deep in the ground, so it's not a layer. Yeah. But it's actually it's it's rotting. It's, more yeah, it's in the ground and yeah. it's Let's actually. Let's stay on that conversation for a little bit longer. <laughs> Obviously, you guys are boots on the ground. You're very passionate what you do show a lot of dealer support but with this generational gap it's like a 20-year age gap of somebody that knows something on the skill side trades to the guy that don't obviously you guys deal with a lot of dealerships you're kicking out material everywhere you're kicking out products you're chasing parts you're helping support the end user through the dealer or if you talk to them just direct to tell them advice where to go what are you doing to try to help the younger generations understand why forestry mulching is so important? Obviously, you guys are passionate about what you're doing, but how do you get the message out further, and how do you get the younger gen generations more involved? That's a, a good question, actually, because uh, we uh, we have several programs, actually, <clears throat> if you will. We, we try to talk to colleges, universities. As a matter of fact, no long ago, we, we were at uh, Clemson. Yep. Uh, so we did a nice presentation to the students, you know, uh, that was uh, specifically, I believe it was the Ag, uh, AgMac. AgMac faculty. And um, so we, we basically explained the benefit of the land management. So some of them kind of had an idea a little bit before, and they got a lot better idea after that. Some of them didn't even know anything about land management. And they started learning, and we got that great interest in the specific uh, case that I mean, we stayed for an extra two hours after the presentation answering questions. I mean, it was it was really awesome. Um, uh, uh, probably about a couple of weeks now, um, from now we're going down to Sunbelt show in Georgia, mm -hmm. right. South Georgia, and we have invited different universities there, um, uh, Auburn and Florida. By the way, which is very hard for a Georgia boy. That's going to some other So we, we invite them to come to our booth. You know, we offer a nice breakfast and uh, we do a 20, 30 minutes presentation just to get them, you know, understanding a little bit more about this type of, of business equipment, mm -hmm. 
uh, how to operate the equipment, why you should do land management, et cetera, et cetera. So we're trying to spread the message that way. Um, we worked a lot. We work a lot on social media as well, yep. and uh, uh, we do a lot of trainings to the dealers uh, on the product. And why we are doing the training about the product to the dealers? We incentivate and motivate the dealers to go out and reach out to those um, younger generations that don't know much about uh, land management and, and spread the words basically yeah. Yeah. And, and the knowledge. So we're trying to do everything we can on our end, but not just because you know, uh, we want to do more business. That's not the goal. The goal is, well, is, isn't a, will be organically, then will become circle, more business yeah. for, for us. Yeah. But the main uh, concept, the main reason is that we want to, uh, people understand the benefit of the land management. You were talking about the fires earlier. I mean, it was uh, 15, 16 years ago that we went to California. We brought a couple of machines out there for the California uh, Forestry Department, and we wanted to do a demo because the California um, Forestry Department knew mm -hmm. of the benefit of doing the, um, you know, the, the fuel reduction uh, sure, process. Sure. But a lot of people at the time there, uh, they didn't understand the benefit, and they came out. You're destroying the forest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and yeah. we went out to the job site. You know, uh, we spent a couple of days to set up the machines there, and 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 prepping everything. So we go out the day of the demo and we had a, a group of uh, protesters there and they didn't want us to run the demo. So they sat on our machines and everything and we couldn't run the well, demo. Well, they thought you are probably going to go through all the redwoods and just yeah. tear down yeah. all the forest. Like, yeah. They're just taking down yeah. the undergrowth, the invasive, the... Yeah. So Absolutely. So yeah. Absolutely. So we tried to explain, you know, in a very professional way, all the benefits. They didn't want to hear anything. Yeah. So long story short, that day we had to leave without doing the demo. Wow. For the forestry department, imagine. Yeah. So uh, we are trying to spread this message, basically. Every uh, tree that you cut, you may save thousands of trees. Yeah. Um, cleaning the forest floor is, is, is key to prevent fires. Doing what they call the ladder cleaning, clean up. So all the small branches on the trunk of the trees. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, for, the, the fire uh, most of the time starts on the floor. Yes. Yep. And then grows up. And it grows up and it gets to the canopy. Once it gets to the canopy, it takes seconds or minutes to take over hundreds of acres. It's yeah, incredible, yeah. especially if it's windy, obviously. Yeah. So, but we're trying to educate as many people as possible on this subject and touch as many youngest generations as possible. Uh, plant the in many, many ways, you know. And and, and I, w I wish and I hope other manufacturers that are involved in this business will do the same. Sure. Because um, one thing, it, it benefits everybody. Yeah. Because one thing I like to do from the other side of it, we are talking to ag met guys. We're talking to, <coughs> we're talking to, we're going to be engineers in that field. And, you know, I like to let them know that, look, we want this, make a difference. We want this to always be evolving. I mean, yeah. you guys are the ones that may come up with the next big thing that mm -hmm. even makes our industry more friendly to the environment. Because sure. contrary to belief, I don't think anybody at this table is anti environment. If, I mean, you know, everybody's about the environment because we got to live. Yep. So we try to get those guys. And another thing I like to focus on is that guy who's not the Ag Met guy. That guy who couldn't get into Clemson if he, if he paid f double the, the tuition. Because sure. you know? that guy can go out and learn a trade, working on equipment, doing hydraulics, do whatever, building hoses. Yeah. And he can go out, buy him a truck, and go out and make a great living just in support of our type of equipment. Yeah. And there are Very well said. so much equipment out there. Yes. So that's that's an industry right now that is short, and it could 
there's so much business out there for the guy who's not built for college. Oh, you know? yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's funny enough because, uh, sorry really not to interrupt you, but it's funny enough because um, when we started doing these educational you know, uh, presentations to the colleges and schools, it was probably about five, five years ago, and we have seen actually a few of the kids that came out of school that after our presentation decided to take that direction. Oh wow! Yeah, and, instead of going to school, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. And they work, and now, they now work into this uh, type of business. So yep. they are a contractor. They bought a ski steer and a mulching head, and they yeah. go out and do land work and stuff Amazing. like that. So we have a tangible uh, proof that what we're doing is working. We just want to make sure that it's going to work in a larger scale you know, yeah. at one point, right? But we we did something good, I yeah. think, eventually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to totally shift gears on you guys. You run your equipment in a huge variety of applications. And this may take you a second, but to date, what is the most interesting, unique application that you've seen your equipment used on? Oh, I got, I got that one. Oh, Lee didn't. This is going to be good if you didn't even ask me about it. Well, I'm going to say, this is probably, I shouldn't say this. This is not, this is a two-part question. Okay. First part's a joke, but it's true. <laughs> we we, have, that we have one of our customers <laughs> that just advertised, uh, he's from the northern northwest. Okay. And his, late, lately, he's been using the PT-300 to get rid of homeless camps. They're just popping up. In oh, there. Really? So he's got a, he's got a GoPro on his windshield. Right he's going through shopping carts, tents. Oh, wow. he's People are going. People are going. Yes, yes. But I think oh, the, coolest oh, thing, the coolest thing I ever got to do was down in, down in Peru. Um, we were in a place in Peru. And, you know, what's crazy about when I go out of the country, when you come back in, they ask, what do you do? Well, we sell, I got so I quit saying we sell land management equipment because I would have TSA guys want to start nailing me. You're going down to the rainforest and grinding that up? Really? Oh, yeah. It's was, it was crazy. Wow. But I was down there one time. Well, it's good, good to know TSA isn't just looking for bombs. They're also yeah. looking out for the environment. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, yeah. they gave me the full search on the they way did. here. On so. the way here, really. Rick got a little rub down. Do you want to go do it privately behind the screen or right here? Rick is like, no, baby. You know what you're here to do? You're the main rubbing up, man. You do it right here in public, bud. Rick starts unzipping his pants. Yeah, and like, like, you want to get into the boxers or what? <laughs> yeah. We know you coming from. Where you coming from? Where were you coming from? From Michigan. You were not coming in from another country. We come see you. We love fishers. Hey, I'm not gonna say Georgia made a phone call, but maybe that was planned. Yeah, that's right. You got three guys that look suspicious. Give them a good rundown. So, uh, so two of the coolest things I did. One time I was in Colombia, and it was uh, we were doing a habitat for the sloth. Oh yeah. So we were literally grinding, and we were Very having to cool. stop grinding and move sloths out of the way. Wow. So that was pretty cool. That is um, awesome. Couldn't take pictures because back to TSA, you're not yeah. supposed to touch animals. So, but the fun, the weirdest thing I ever did was we had a guy bought an SSH, which is a soil stabilizer from us. Uh, he said he was doing, he was going to sell sod down in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, Georgia, me and another gentleman went down there for the startup. These guys pick us up at the hotel. We go down in a caravan. We're in the middle, truck in front, truck to the side, truck to the back. So we go down there and they go to crank up the machine. We usually get into a walk around. This dude jumps right in with a bottle of Johnny Walker. <laughs> jumps right in the truck, yeah. starts grinding. 
We ended up going back to his house, which was cave, carved into the mountain in Monterey, Mexico. Wow. Where he, where he told me that his family was in Mission, Texas, because there was a hit on him. Excellent. And I happened nice. to be with a cartel guy that was actually not growing grass for sale. He was growing a runway for the grass he was selling. Excellent. So that was, uh, that was yeah. the strangest one I ever did. But Interesting. I like the... Uh, hey, Georgia, what did you get me into? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that, that call happened. That yeah. call happened. Hey, and that's uh, where you continue yeah. to laugh whether the, the oh, guy's jokes are funny or not. Yeah. Not gonna rock the boat on this. <laughs> the trip. cartel member was the oddest one, but the sloth was the coolest one. Yeah, they, that's they awesome. were everywhere, man. They were it was super cool. Yeah. Even a, a thing in, in South Carolina, Edwin McCain told us a story about the uh, quail repopulation project. Yes. So South Carolina, for whatever reason, there are no more quails at one point until huh. a couple of years ago. So they started doing land management to create in a, a natural environment for the quails to yep. come back to South Carolina and reproduce and you know, and repopulate South Carolina with quails. You know what the number one I mean, killer quail those is? Those are one of the coolest stuff. I mean, cats? The cats? Ants. Really? Ants, he told us. Ants fire was ants? the number one is killer of quail. Yeah, fire ants. Really? Yeah, fire ants are decimating. Yeah. So I'm originally from Texas, and fire ants are just decimating a ton of critters for that exact oh, reason. Really did it to me. That you I sat on a crack too long, and the next thing you know, I have to haul it your legs. Yeah, oh, exactly. I think Edward, to Georgia's point, that. I think he's done quail. I think he's done some duck. Yep. Some wow. special duck things. He's really into the environment too, man. So Interesting. Hit me from the 90s. Uh, about Texas, actually, no long ago, we were with the Texas Forestry Department and they um, have one of our PT-175. And Texas A&M as well. And Texas A&M right. as well. They have one of our PT-175 there. And they're doing the uh, underbrush cutting and uh, floor clearing because just because they want to get rid of the invasive 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 species. Yeah. Sorry yeah. for my Alabama accent again. That's right. It's <laughs> coming out. <laughs> um, Everybody from Alabama just turned off. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, they were getting rid of the uh, invasive species just because they're um, consuming too much water for the for the good trees. All right. Good trees were dying because of the invasive species. So that's a big Those project. Are the things you never, you don't think about. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, not only they wanted to produce a certain size final product, which was probably two, two and a half yeah. inch size, because that was a perfect product to prevent um, erosion. Oh, so really? Leave that product on there, spread it out as, as the better you can in our machine. They do anyway, without too, going too technically in that okay. aspect, but. Uh, they wanted to spread it out and uh, to prevent erosion. Right. Interesting. And so that same deal, to Georgia's point, that same deal, they were, those that invasive species was also giving extra cover to predators killing wildlife. Correct. So that was yeah. another thing they were doing yeah. on the same job. Interesting. So, again, being from Texas, we have cedar trees, and cedar trees are not a native mm -hmm. species. And so what's happened over time is you've just got <clears throat> thousands and thousands of cedar trees. And what I didn't know growing up the majority of my life is that those cedar trees drink like crazy. Yep. And so the ranchers would go out and they go clear a thousand acres and within six months they'd have natural springs like coming out. On, yeah, they'd have yeah. ponds <laughs> popping up and everything. Yeah. And it's like, that was all going to those cedar trees. That's wild. Yeah. And right. you would think incredible. they had no water because they're like a yeah, rock. Exactly. Yeah. They're like a rock. Yeah. Out there. Right. But, but those cedar trees drink that much water. Yeah. And so that's a huge thing in Texas, clearing right. those cedars out. Right. right. And those, your mulchers, chew through those like candy that cedars yeah. that nice soft wood yeah. absolutely and, and, and texas, texas is a good uh, is a market for the bilimeter yeah. Um, yeah sell a lot of bilimeter i mean we sell both open dry and bilimeter yeah. but bilimeter seems to be the uh, preferred you know well like we were talking about last night you know we got areas of bilimeters are great and you got the right over the hill country where it's all rock yeah so. yeah so, so you've mentioned we have a uml ssl 
Is that the model? Yes. yes. UML uh, SSL. And you, the one you were talking about for the skid steer that you guys just updated is the a DML. 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 What is the difference between those two units? Rick told us in the field yesterday. It's I, a, pay, I don't pay attention. It's basically F one fifty F two fifty. So it's just okay. a it's just a smaller version of the higher horsepower unit. Gotcha. Um, it's not built structurally quite as sound as the UML because it's really not up to date. Hasn't been really a unit of guys out there trying to make money with every day. It's more of a farmer. A guy's got a ranch. A guy. Yeah. It's a maybe, hobby machine. Maybe right. wants to, yeah. yeah. It's more of that, but it has turned in because of the. The design and all we're doing to it, it has turned into a less expensive option for the guy who wants to start out. Gotcha. He can go buy a 75 horsepower unit and this head less than he could the high horse yeah. and get the business built up. Because that's yeah. another thing we try to do too is we'll have a guy come in here and see a PT and like, I want that. Yeah. No, yeah. first go out and get your business. Right. Go get yeah. you a skid steer yeah. first and get yeah. your business. We don't want you to buy it and then be machine bro you're making a big old yeah. commitment yeah when you go to a dedicated unit but it's not as structurally sound um other than that it's very similar same width same motor style not size so it's just a smaller version just like a just like trucks do you know basically yeah. um and i and earlier i i may have came out a little incorrect it's not as productive or more productive than the high flow unit but the, the modifications we're doing to it is basically taking it to what our old technology used to be with the high flow unit. So yeah, if you take the sense. Sonic, yeah. the Sonic DML and go against like a regular VT UML, yeah. they're going to produce yeah. about the yeah. same. They're going to produce yeah. about the same. Very nice. So that, that's a an interesting topic I had never thought about when you talk about stepping up to a dedicated unit. For listeners who might be either getting into this industry or they might be in the industry but they haven't really stepped up to that fully dedicated unit, what in your mind? What does that kind of internal discussion need to look like for them as they go into making that decision? What what would you kind of advise people before you step into a fully dedicated head or a, a dedicated mulcher? I personally, um, from from my experience, is a have the work, yeah. have the experience, yep. have the reputation. Yeah, um, because you need all those things to sustain that business. Yeah, because right now everybody can go get a mulcher and go out and make some money. Yep. Sure. But guess what? In a year from now, that it's may not be, be the case. Up. Absolutely. So yeah, so there's going to be a lot less units out there because it's going to be a lot less work because people yeah. aren't going to be as loose with the money as they have been for two years. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, so that'd be one thing, and then and then plan your business around that machine. Yeah. And I don't just mean on the operation of it, but the maintenance of it. Yes. Take into account what that machine is going to take you to run and make sure you're going to be able to charge enough to not only pay for that, but to make a living and plan for those times when that machine's not running. Yep. Yeah. You know, that's another thing guys do. And the business has really turned in, especially down here. It's really gotten cutthroat. You know, a guy. All the quality guys are at a certain level. And then you got some guys that are just coming in with a machine and, and, and cutting them in half, but they're leaving junk. I mean, yep. you'll see a bunch of our customers and dealers around here, and so many of them are going to tell you, if you guys probably seen, they, they're they not only going out and doing clearing jobs, they're doing follow-up clearing jobs to fix, to other fix the mistakes that somebody else has done. A third done. of our business is cleaning up other, other people's messes yep. in, in, in any application. And that's also kind of ruining the reputation of the industry a little bit, you know, Correct. because, you know, a homeowner or a landowner that expects certain results, you know, they're and then they see, you know, not what they expect. And, so it's kind of giving a bad, you know, image to the yeah. to the industry, well, and it shouldn't be that way. But you know, to uh, implement a little bit uh, to what Lee was saying, it's like, you know, step by step, start with a small machine and move up. Also, if uh, to make sure that that's what you want to uh, do long term. Yeah. You know, yeah. just don't jump. Like when you buy a boat, you start out with a. 
20, we're going for the yacht 20, right footer, off the yeah. yeah and then you buy the yacht in yeah. three years from now right yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, same same concept you know yeah um but yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's not as easy as everybody may think. Yeah, go out buy a machine, go out do some land clearing. It's not just less simple. You need to be dedicated 100. percent You know, to to this work. Couldn't agree more. And I know good contractors that would rather have their machine sit on a trailer than go out and do a job for money that when they know they're not making money. Yes. And the guy yeah. who's not willing to do that is the guy who is really killing the industry to a certain yeah. point. Because yes. he's going to go out there. You know, just yeah. ultimately you're taking the whole the floor of pricing and lowering it where no one gets the exactly so that you can make five bucks and also yeah. also that that's uh, something that we really work very hard here at fae to make sure that whoever wants to buy a machine is really buying the machine because he wants to be in the industry long term you know and sometimes it's better not to sell a machine to somebody than selling it yeah you know because yeah. You know, because then it's your name. You know, that's yep. an interesting aspect of sales is as as the guy who is selling. Sometimes you have to make a judgment call on behalf of the customer because right. you can just see the writing on the wall that they're going to, you know, like you said, you get into this. Uh, a Therefore, lot of people work will drag your name through the dirt. Well, no. not not only that, you're almost saving him from himself because. Yeah, exactly. You you create a monster that has to be fed, even if you don't go w with a full dedicated mulcher. Anytime you step into a piece of equipment, a lot of guys don't understand. Right. That's that's not something that sits on a trailer and doesn't cost you any money when it's stationary. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it's you've got maintenance costs, you've got all of the insurance, you've got all these other costs that you create a monster that you now have to feed. And and we've all been in that situation where you got a customer that is clueless. Absolutely. And and you're going, man. If you if you buy this, you're going to drown. And you know you don't necessarily tell them that to their face, but you've got to kind of gently yeah. guide, guide them into, into maybe this isn't the best yeah. discussion now. Maybe Absolutely. we need to approach this later. Sometimes so. I've been too direct on that though. We had a sure. we had a customer who came down from Maine one time. Look at our dedicated units. This is probably seven <laughs> seven eight years ago. He goes, so give me the skit. What's the truth on this thing? I don't yeah. want any sales BS. What's the truth? I said, if you maintain it, it's great. If you don't, it sucks. Yep. I mean, that's basically it. That's it. So yeah. we can build the best piece of equipment, but if you do not maintain it, one hundred percent. You know, it's it's all going to break. You know, yeah. and he and he remembers that till today. And he he's bought he's bought, I think five of our dedicated units, even one of our higher horsepower four seventy five. So he maintains them, and guess yeah. what? He makes a lot of money with. It. Mm -hmm. and, so, and that's what's a long term client look like in your guys' eye. I mean, it's, this is going to sound corny, oh. but it's almost like uh, a marriage or a, a, one of your best friends, man. Sure. You're gonna you're gonna have your ups and your downs, but at the end, you want to be together. You support each other. You support yeah. each other. Yeah. Your machine's gonna have issues. You may That's not so be funny. happy with what happened. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, you're gonna get mad at us. We're gonna get mad at you. Sure. But it, when it's all said and done, I mean, we got to work it out, and we yeah. got we got to yeah. make this partnership work because, you know, we, we there's competitors out there that will bounce dealers a lot. You yep. know, all of a sudden they're selling over here, then they're selling over here, then they're selling over here. Um, that's not really us. I mean, we we still have the guys we were selling to when I came on 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. We just added others because most of our most of our relationships end up being a long-term relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's because, but FAE does, you know, I'm sure there's gonna be people on here that are gonna comment the crap out of this, but overall, you know, we do tend to c cover things, ha ha help out things, even if the fault's not FAEs, if it's not the dealers, because we want that three-way relationship, man. We want that customer happy with the dealer, the dealer yeah, happy with absolutely. FAE, and that customer out there talking about how 
great FA is. Yeah. That's that's what we want, and we don't always get it, but that's our goal. Yeah, every so, customer. Absolutely. So how do you how do you push the market even more? So you you have some of the better units on the market. How, so you separate them the heads off the market. Let's separate it from just you guys in general as human beings. How do you guys keep pushing the bar once you've already set it? How do you look for the next latest and greatest and just keep pushing yourself to be even better than you are now? So, you know, it really starts from guys like you. I don't mean you as the guy sweating grimes doing the podcast, but you as the contractor. Yeah. Um, and then I will say this, you know, there's all this, this hearsay about it, engineers and all this other stuff. Our engineers listen to the field. Oh, we learned that firsthand. Well, yeah, we, we spoke to some yeah. engineers last year. We did because <laughs> one of your engineers doesn't speak any English. Yes. Matt actually had a full-blown conversation. <laughs> that was just Matt yeah. talking in Italian. And, right. and, no, and, no, and the poor guys just sitting just, there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I looked to my left, and they're like. He doesn't understand anything. Right. Okay. So God, God knows what's going to happen when he gets back to the corporate office. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but it was a really good vent session for Matt. He was able to really get a lot off of his chest. And then it comes from our sales team. Our sales team is out there on the field. My product guys, Giorgio, we're out in the field listening. Well, a product we may not have right now. Um, so we do that. But just an example, I always use this example, and I thought it was one of the coolest things. When I first came here, 15 years ago, about a year and a half into it, I was going over to Italy for my first training session. Yep. And I had, a, man, I had my notebook ready. I was gonna be like, oh, this, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. So I started going through the training. I started raising my hand, hey, what about, you know, so they just said, let's walk outside. And almost everything that I had in my notebook had already been implemented. And I found out that that was almost all implemented because of contractors to the dealers, the dealers to FAE, FAE to the engineers. And then our engineers are real forward-thinking, like the Sonic. That's that's our guys. And, yeah. And that goes all the way to the top of FAE Group, our, our, our main company. Our, our owner, our president, is a forward-thinker. I mean, he's an engineer. So yeah. he's, he's that guy always looking for the next thing. So yeah, yeah. I feel like it's really – it starts with guys like you, contractors, customers, and it just runs right up. I mean, it's just it's, – it's, it's a solid flow. And yeah. we don't have – you know, hardly any resistance. Now we may come up, somebody may have an idea, and I'm like, I don't know if I should bring that one to the table, you know? <laughs> and I, I found out, yeah, you shouldn't have brought that to the table. So, uh, so there, are, there is some rejections, obviously. At least you took that I, idea. I, I take them thought, because, because that thought may not be implemented as that thought, but somebody that does that for a living, an engineer may say, hey, I like the concept. I'm just yeah, going to flip it a little reapply. bit. Yeah, let's reapply it. Yeah, correct. You know, I've used it myself. You know, you don't sit in a square room with a square piece of paper and tell me how it works in the round world. That's sure. kind of the outlook on engineers as a whole. Yep. Yes. But our engineers, like Angelo, who you're speaking of now, has been with FAE as an engineer for 20 years. Yeah. So he's seen it from the first units to what we are today. Um, and that guy is just always listening. Yeah. I mean, he's and, and he wants to know. I mean, so oh, he listened to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he what, did. What, what he So we get a call from the office going, "What is this guy asking for?" So, but no, I, I think that's the main reason. And and you guys, I mean, you you know, you you even in your first review of the of this of of our head, you guys had some very valid you know comments, and those were sent direct, directly over as well. I think you know one of the ones that was more. Uh, Vocal was the spring, you know, that spring sure, is, sure. Uh, so. That was very <laughs> jankety. Yeah. Yeah. No, but here's the difference. So how come you'll take the constructive criticism instead of just saying that's default 
you get to call awesome. us up and take it off, remove it. How come? How come that don't happen? How come you actually took the criticism? Why because is that important? Because they're constructive. No matter what it is yeah. and how it's presented, it's constructive, and we always evaluate, sit down, and and evaluate, make see if it makes sense. If it does make sense, we'll apply. If it doesn't, we'll. Uh, not apply, but yeah. uh, absolutely, we have to listen everybody and for everything because that's how you grow. Uh, if you don't want to be stagnant, you yeah. need to listen. Yep. Not yeah, take, yeah. and take it back to the marriage. Don't listen to your wife and tell her no about nineteen times. See how that works out for you, right? <laughs> that's true. I mean, it's the same that's with the relationship. That's a good point. If we got a customer that comes up and says, "Hey, you know, what about this?" and you shut him off, yeah. And don't even act like you were interested in what he had to say. That, you're, that guy's gone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's going to remember that even if you gave him something. He's well, sure. remember. But as a matter of fact, I mean, we are where we are with the quality of the product just because we have been listening since since day one. We're still listening, and we will always listen. I mean, there are a lot of even small modifications that, for instance, the uh, you know the uh, off the help me out with that with the side panels the. Uh, Recess bolt came from a customer. Um, you know, on some of the machines we shortened the door, it came from a customer. Protect, yeah. Protected cylinder came from the customer. More protection in the liner. More yeah. protection in the liner. And a lot of this stuff Re- is, right. a lot of this stuff is territorial because <laughs> we may not have the problem anywhere, but then we go to one state and they have the problem because of the sand, because yeah. of the rock. Yeah. So yeah. everything. You know, if, if you take the first machine 30, 33 years ago, or and now every single modification was coming from the field, from the customers. Yeah, interesting. Absolutely. So <clears throat> at this point, do you kind of feel like you've reached a point where it's really just continuously improving the existing product line? Or are you guys actively looking at creating entirely new products, moving in different directions? Kind of, what, what what's the future of FAE? Well, the... One of the way we do make the difference in FAE is that we reinvest all our profit into the into the company. So a, a lot of profit goes into R and D. So we update existing products and we develop new products mm-hmm. as well. Obviously, the products that we have now, we they probably gonna be out here for a long time, and we're gonna keep updating, updating, updating. And we are also heavily looking at expanding the line in the land clearing as well as the construction attachments. Yeah. So there will be uh, several uh, construction attachments coming out in the in the next uh, three years, I will say. Okay. Something is coming out soon in the next couple of months and uh, gradually, constantly will come out with construction attachments for ski steer, for tractors, excavators, and, and whatnot. Now, now why do you feel the need <clears throat> to keep pushing into those spaces or not just, not just sit back where you're at? Simply because we uh, we need to diversify the product uh, from the business perspective, but also because a lot of our dealers, they are land clearing and construction dealers. So you may go to a dealer that sells key steers. Um, you can sell the mulchers and you can provide also the uh, construction attachment. So we want to be a one-stop shop. Uh, it helps us, helps the dealers, helps the, 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 the customer. Yeah. So... And complacency kills, man. If you stay Absolutely. where you're at, yeah, yeah. you're Absolutely. done. Yep. I mean, so I'm shut me down if I'm if I'm overreaching, but you can't blame me for for trying. <laughs> are we 
Are we talking forestry type attachments? Or are you guys starting to diversify outside of the forestry side? Also outside of the forestry, right? Perfect. So we are diversifying inside the forestry and outside of the forestry. And you say well, within the next well. three years. We're, we're, we're going to dangle that little teaser out there. For a say, we, yeah. normally, we normally make three years plan, three to five. Okay. You know, I would like to stay within the three because it's more reasonable sure. and we can see that far. Yeah. Five is a little yeah. too far out. But yeah, we know what's going to happen in the next three years. Yeah. Well, we look okay. forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Quality. Absolutely. Yeah. And even if we're not first with something, which that we can't always be first. And that's you fine. Be the best. When we came, we, we come better. Like yeah. I'm gonna say you're gonna see it today with our RCU line. Yep. They've been out there for a few years. Um, but what we bring to the table mm. on that line just stepped the whole market up because it's a heavier duty unit. Yeah. Um it's got options on it that no other competitors offering right now. So even if we weren't the originator, we're gonna try to come out still with the improve best on it. Yeah, absolutely. So as, let's as, talk about those. Well, I was going to say, as advantageous as it can be to be the market leader, there's also some advantages to kind of letting somebody else do the R&D and, and work all the kinks out and then come yeah. in and go, okay, we can improve yeah, we can and fold in this area. Absolutely. What were you going to say, Rick? I'm sorry. So let's talk about those amphibious crawlers, basically. Right. Call them. Right. right. There's no drive. Yeah. It's all remote. Yeah. It's all remote. <laughs> um, What's really the concept behind it? Obviously, we know they'll climb up some slopes at certain degrees. You know, you said you got some expandable tracks that are on it. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about that no, on the podcast. The tracks will yeah. actually... Yeah, and you said you can do right. one the track whole, at a time The whole rail will move out. You yeah. can do both or one at a time. Um, let's break this down with this machine. And it's not a, and it's not a full all-or-nothing thing. You can incrementally expand. Yeah, and, can. yeah that's interesting. Exactly. So... To add to that a little bit, what we're talking about is, is you know, we have two, a rail on each side that has its own drive. So okay. that's another thing we're doing different. Is we have a mulching pump that covers the mulching motor, and we have two travel pumps that cover two. So everything's independent, closed loop, yeah. so it's its own self-sufficient circuit. Sure. Um, but, you know, on these slopes, there's a couple things we do. And I'm not saying some of this other guys aren't doing, so some of it is is there, but most of it we're doing. Um, we can, like if you're going crossways on a slope, you can take the tr lower track and you can, from your remote, you can extend that whole track out. I think it's about 10 inches, roughly. Yeah. And basically, you're giving you more stability more to, hold yeah. that, to hold that. Yeah. You can also control your speed of the individual track. So if you want your lower track to turn a little bit faster than your right track, because to keep you on that. You can Almost do that off from your remote as well. Interesting. Yeah, so you can um, you can basically do anything you need to do from that remote. Wow. But something we don't do is we have alarms, we have warnings, we have all that, but we don't really cause a lot of shutdowns because you don't the least the last thing you want is for this thing to be up on a hill in the stop. middle of nowhere and just stop and it's yeah. down and you got to walk up there in a, in an area maybe you shouldn't be. So. Yeah you have the ability to always limp it back to you to be right. able to take care of it. Yeah. And another thing we did to take to make sure we're not hurting our engines is we have a, a lot of proprietary stuff on this. Even our our our, uh, our, our oil pan is made for us. Tell us a little bit about that. No, I'm just kidding. That's right. Yeah. Our oil what do you pan. mean exactly by that, Lee? So we, we thought about fuel tanks, where a fuel tank is not a tank, but a tank. So no matter what you're doing, yeah, you, you're, you're not going to be registering low fuel. So yeah. just our guys put a lot of thought into yeah. it. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff we were doing on this unit came from our Prime Tech line. The way we cool, the way we use our hydraulics. 
So, uh, you know, and another benefit, I know we talked about the safety. Um, another benefit is, you know, operation costs, really, to a certain point. You still have an operator. Sure. But now you don't have a cab. You don't yeah. have AC. Yeah. You don't have to worry about all this stuff. You don't have to worry about safety glass. You don't have to worry about the door. So, you know, overall. You, you eliminate a lot of problems by do. taking that whole you cab do. unit off. You, you know, you don't have to worry about the guy saying, I can't run the machine because the AC is not working. Because guess what? You're, you're. You're sitting in your pickup. You're 150 yards meters away. from it, sitting on your tailgate, man. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> so maybe I'm reaching. Uh oh. But you know how a drone, when it starts getting in trouble, it'll fly back the same pattern to where it took off. Come back home. Right. Well, this machine, if it starts indicating something's going wrong, it will not home. It will not, it will not home. come home. Hey, but yeah, but that what? makes sense if you think about it. If you're on some crazy generation, slope, you may have gone over a. a <laughs> A drop off that the machine doesn't know is there, and it starts coming home to you. And yeah. I can see how that could be problematic. Now, while we were out there inspecting it yesterday, you know, I asked about you know safety procedures that go into this. Now, what if you were to walk in front of the machine while it's active with the remote? Does it shut down at all? Does it does not, not have it any. Does not. So it's just part of the it's, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. called uh, <laughs> Darwinism, right there. Yeah. Not, is it? Yeah, Darwin Darwinism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you win your Darwin Award if you do that. Once the motion stays in motion, kind yeah. of thing. Now, yeah. there, there are some safeties that you control by the remote, right? Yes, sure. So you have to, A, you have to engage your hydraulics, which is one motion. B, you have to engage your drum, rotor. Yep. And then you have to turn your potentiometer to get the rotor spinning. Gotcha. Oh, so okay. the, the rotor will not start unless the potentiometer is all the way to zero, like we do with our prime text. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just in case somebody was accidentally engage Bump the, the yeah. rotor while somebody is standing there. Yeah. So you would have to accidentally engage it and then accidentally turn it up, which means you didn't like that person day. in the first place. Right. So you, you've committed right. to a decision at that point. So when you right. have your guy, hey, go, 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 go see if that tooth's sharp. But yeah. also you're yeah. cranking it up. That wasn't an accident. Yeah, yeah. So, so these mulchers, they're new to the market for you guys. It's exciting. How much testing goes into it before you guys even decide to kick this thing out? So these things were tested for months. On a, well, let me say this. The engine was tested by the engine manufacturer, which is Kohler, mm -hmm. sure. um, on a bench for, for a long time. Yeah, Just at, at, yeah they do all their they tests. Do all yeah. Then these things were tested for months in, in, at our main office. And there are some slopes in the Alps. You know, there, there, there's a little <laughs> yeah. slope there. A little bit. There may be a bump or two. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, and then we basically uh, we, we brought over 10 units that are not for sale as right now, because yeah. we're gonna send them in every condition we have in the United States. Yeah, and, and we're really doing the sure hard yeah. When I do. tested for about four days, I ran that thing as hard as I could physically run it yeah. back here, yeah. just to see what the limitation, and I tell you, man, I mean, it was, it was way more impressive than I ever thought it would be. It really was. Interesting. Now, I know you don't have the specs in front of you. Is there a ground pressure standpoint that's a little bit better than a CTL? Oh, it's the ground pressure is not bad at all. I think on the fifty-five with the Super Track, it's five point two. Oh wow, 5. yeah, that's 2. not bad at all. Not bad at all. Yeah, um, we have different. So we have different tracks. So on the fifty-five, we have a regular rubber track, which is a chain, it's regular shred, full tread, and then we have what we call the Super Grip, which is going to be that rubber tread with basically. Spikes screwed yeah, into it. Or something. Yeah. Grind. Now on our our seventy five, we actually have th uh, three options. We have the same two I just listed. Yep. And then we have another complete undercarriage, which you guys will see. The steel later. tracks out there. Yeah. Oh boy. We, but that's a that's a whole undercarriage change. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you are in the mountains and the rocks, the steel yeah. would probably be the better bet. Um, but it does take out 
it does take out the ability to really cross over the road a lot. Sure. You know? You're, and, you're committed yeah, to you're that committed direction. Yeah, you're committed to that hill. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And another thing about the normal tracks on both units, the 55 and the 75, there's an auto tensioning system. Oh, wow. So it's always keeping the correct tension. You That's also great. lose that when you go to the steel because it's not really possible. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, so there's some give and take, but we're, we're going to test them in all markets. That's why we got mm -hmm. steel out here. Yeah, we got rubber. Um, you know, it's it's I like I said, I got up to about 61 degrees where I tested it a couple weeks ago, and it held until I hit some rocks and it slid and it starts sliding. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's really impressive. Like I said, when we go out back and you see that hill that we're going to be on, that was 27 degrees, so double that. Yeah. Wow. And I'd imagine just just having looked at the units, the center of gravity is low enough. This sucker is going to slide well before it ever it gets over, into yeah. a roll situation. Uh, oh yeah, yes. I yeah. Would. The only thing that we do recommend we did we did talk about the uh, expanding track system. Mm -hmm. You never want to expand both sides on a slope. You know, you want to keep that because one's pushing you downhill. Exactly. Yeah. You want to keep that top side close, that low side far. far yeah. Down. So that makes sense. Uh, but these guys, so it's going to be cool today. Um, this, you know, we're, you guys are going to be able to actually uh, get out there and play with them a little bit on a little obstacle Perfect. course to see Perfect. how they operate. Yeah. Um, we're going to do a demo. We're going to do some some material back there. So, you know, it's it's going to be a good day. Can't um, wait. And another cool thing back to the engineering, sorry, is where there were a couple things we saw. We said, you know what, we might want to think about this. And 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 they said, yeah, we saw the same thing in our testing. We're working on it. So yeah. Just to go back to that, we know we didn't come out with the perfect unit. Sure. That's why we got 10 units here for testing. Yeah. So we're going to test the snot out of them. Yeah. And then we're going to turn it Send it all back to engineering. That's exactly right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Yeah. This is thanks for having us down. Thanks yeah, for the I mean, conversation. This appreciate has been fantastic. It. We appreciate it. Looking forward to the fun begin. Absolutely. Yeah. Man. So that being said, that. we'll wrap this baby up. So thank you guys for listening. As always, be sure to subscribe. And uh, one day, we will have a Sweat and Grime website. I promise. It's one coming. day. <laughs> this fall. Winter. I took my brain off because yeah. I got sick of looking so at yeah, it. I that got rid of the calendar because I got sick of looking yeah, at it. So one day we'll have a We will get it. I promise, guys. So that being said, <laughs> thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys on the next Sweat and Grime. Appreciate yeah, it. Thank, thank you, guys. Have a good thank day. You.